welcome to um, another weekend and with it another um, episode of Thought Experiments, um, our weekly um, discourse on Discord where we unpack uh, pertinent issues um, interesting to the African intelligentsia. And on today's episode, we'll be talking about council culture um, and it's titled Council Culture Jungle Justice by another name. We'll be examining this concept, um, you know, looking at its antecedents and perhaps ways in which you know the tool can be improved, um, or if at all it can be salvaged, um, uh, in a bid to understand this uh, sociological phenomena and uh, perhaps find a way forward of you know better exploiting it. So to begin with, cancel culture. Um, refers to uh, the emerging social phenomena where um, people often call out celebrities, call out individuals um, who they think have violated what is oftentimes a social norm, if not um, quite um, you know, a legal violation. Sometimes it could also be a legal violation, perhaps um, you know, one that cannot expressly be prosecuted or one that is pending prosecution right so there are many examples of this um you know someone might make a tweet that is deemed homophobic someone like kevin hart for example um had made tweets in the past um you know jokes in taste, to be honest about how if you know his son were gay he would buy him a dollhouse and then hit him with the dollhouse like break it on his head or something what's that effect and you know these tweets resurfaced when he was um, asked to host the oscars and unfortunately he was cancelled as a result of opinions he had stated um, you know close to about a decade prior uh, so in essence the the whole point of cancelling an individual is that um, you know the people doing the counseling uh, counseling rather find the opinions expressed by that individual as problematic right um, and oftentimes uh, council culture is characterized as something that is done by people on the left so like woke progressive or liberal individuals but in today's episode um, we'll be looking at um, if that uh, characterization is correct and um, you know interrogating the phenomena holistically so um council culture oftentimes uh has a few characteristics um it's a reason very recently as a tool often by groups that are still um on the margins of society so it's used by black people it's used by um you know feminist or liberals who support progressive causes um, it's often um, targeting conservatives or people who have non-progressive or illiberal ideas, right? And that is why it's in this modern incarnation, council culture is seen as um, something that is the exclusive preserve of the left or something that is very rampant in the, the woke bits or the woke sections of um, leftist politics. But this is not exactly the case because Council culture, though it is, you know, um, phrased in this manner or it is named as such, is not a novel phenomenon. Um, at its heart, 
when you cancel an individual, when you try to deplatform them, when you try to decampaign them, what you are doing is a you know very historic, um, very long storied um, practice, often used by marginalized groups, uh, enfranchised groups, or even the establishment itself alike, um, when they wish to silence voices without resorting to you know legal mechanisms. So without using the courts, for example, for censorious purposes, um, they utilize the social approbation, right? In essence, um, though it's, it's now labeled as council culture, in, in, in history it has taken a variety of forms and we're going to be looking at all of this. So let's, let's begin from um, the current conception of council culture and how it operates. Um, currently, it's seen as the exclusive preserve of the extremist left. Right, council culture is often seen as being used for uh, preserving woke politics, for preserving um, identitarian politics, for silencing liberal ideas, and for pushing you know generalized notions uh, that are geared towards achieving a political effect. For example, hashtags like "all men are trash," the Me Too movement, and then finding people who perhaps um, you know have a difference in opinion with those concepts. And then cancelling them, right? Um, in as much as it is increasingly being used by the left, um, but first let's examine these examples of how the left uses council culture, right? So, like very recently, those who are, um, you know, up on the latest trends on social media would have heard of, you know, J.K. Rowling being cancelled, right, because of her seeming sympathies for. Um, you know, transphobic individuals or for making uh, seemingly transphobic statements herself, right? Um, and there are, there are so many others like that. If, if Trump were uh, dependent on the left for support, <laughs> he would have almost none of it because virtually every statement Donald Trump makes is derided by one quarter of the left or the other as you know being problematic and they would have long cancelled him if his political fortunes depended on, on the left but you know he has his base and they stand behind him. Um, the left has increasingly pushed platforms like Twitter and Facebook to be more censorious to the extent that oh even having a simple discussion where you use a word like nigger, right? Like um, is is immediately censored by those platforms. Even if you are using it in a specific context within which it's um, allowable. Um, I was having a um, conversation a few weeks back uh, on Twitter where, you know, I was discussing Kanye West's entry into the presidential race as much of a joke as it seems. And I was looking at it from a systemic point of view and saying even uh, the, the, the black people who, um, you know, decry Kanye West as having become a so quote-unquote house nigger um, must still recognize that even a house nigger is better than an overt racist in Donald Trump or someone who has, you know, uh, mainstreamed racist policies like Joe Biden, right? Biden in his time in the Senate passed laws that have worsened a lot of black people. As vice president to a black president, they had the you know great opportunity to bail out actual homeowners in the United States, but instead they chose to bail out banks. And that act in the 2008 crisis was the greatest wealth transfer 
from the working class and the poor, predominantly people of color, to um, the wealthy class in the United States, right? So, like, you know, he might not have called someone um, a nigger, the N-word, right, to our hearing. However, these individuals have carried out acts that have furthered, um, you know, the systemic disenfranchisement of black people. So, instead of having a sophisticated, nuanced discussion about this, Twitter's bot automatically flagged my use of the word nigger, even as a black person, even though it was used in quotation, even though there was a specific context for its usage, and I was banned, right, temporarily anyways, from Twitter. So, you know, woke pol politics is something that has evolved to the point where even very radical leftists cannot even air their opinions, um, in as much as it is still, you know, um, denying speech to are very extremist right-wingers. So, in essence, council culture has motivated changes in policy, has destroyed livelihoods, has silenced people, has deplatformed them. In many universities um, uh, across the West, uh, some individuals are persona non grata if they are seen as, uh, you know, being aligned to the right or having spewed certain views that are seen as extremist or whatever. They are denied platforms. They are denied any sort of engagement. So it's 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 very rampant this um, you know uh, deplatforming and cancelling that the left is doing. And it's not just affecting celebrities. It's affecting literally everyone because such campaigns are changing policies for platforms and uh, you know meaningfully affecting how people interact with those platforms. But like I said, council culture is not just uh, the exclusive preserve of the left as much as the right might have um, for the longest time made that claim it's a lie so let's look at how you know the right or conservatives historically have been um you know weaponizing you know cancellation or deplatforming right um if you live in a very conservative society anywhere in africa basically or even parts of uh, the global north you would realize that conservative institutions for the longest time have weaponized shaming, moral policing, and then convention conformity in order to, you know, get people to behave in manners that are uh, most appropriate to their to their dictums, to their mores, uh, to their laws, to their, you know, beliefs, right? Whether it's in Africa where, you know, people who are you know, choosing to get married late, for example, or foregoing conventional lifestyles, whether it's, you know, choosing not to have children or choosing to pursue a career rather than staying at the home. Like, these individuals for the longest time have been shamed, right? You know, through a variety of microaggressions. So, um, for the right to then say, oh, cancelling people, deplatforming people, censoring people and all of these things are, you know, novel inventions of uh, left-wing politics is, you know, absolutely a factual, but is, you know, uh, just an agenda that should be denied for the you know, bad-faced lie that it is. So, you know, all across the world, every group, um, even though they've called it different things, have tried, um, you know, to center their ideologies um, and silence the ideologies of others, essentially punishing people who deviate from the convention in terms of what ideology is, you know, to be accepted. 
so the right has done it even the establishment so yes i've been discussing um politics so far in terms of the dichotomy between the right and the left but then so-called centrists so-called moderate so-called establishment individuals are also fond of you know this act of silencing right whether it's in terms of denying space to so-called unpopular opinions like socialism right in the united states it doesn't get as much airplay despite the fact that you know socialist policies have made communities like sweden and many others in scandinavia much better right has provided better standard of living for many there despite the fact that you know so-called socialist policies have lifted over 800 million people out of poverty in china you know socialism is still seen as some huge boogeyman that is seen as out of the mainstream and denied a platform in many parts of the west it's ridiculous right often being blamed for often being blamed for you know the the, the problems that many developing countries face whether it's venezuela whether it's cuba without having a thorough interrogation of how you know imperialism uh, and the subjugation of those countries to sanctions etc has been complicit in the creation of those problems right that's the sort of uh, one-sided rhetoric you get from the establishment so even the centrists are not um free from uh, censorship, right? They are not free from, you know, this cancellation of individuals because their views seem to violate the convention. Okay, so in essence, um, everyone is guilty of cancel culture, right? But then, why does you know cancel culture even come about? Like, why is there a need to cancel people? Why, why the hell is that, um, you know, something folks are resorting to? You know, why do you have to drag someone on Twitter? if they are an alleged um, rapist or sexual harasser why not just take them to court because these are some of the rebuttals that you find um you know when people are being cancelled or you know why should you cancel someone for something they said or did decades ago right so let's unpack this um to begin with oftentimes jungle justice as a phenomenon or mob justice results when systems have failed when institutions have failed to provide the requisite checks and balances um, that a people demand, they often resort to self-help. So you see an increase in, you know, in, in militia formation, in self-defense, in you know, jungle justice, in the most dysfunctional uh, you know, jurisdictions, right? In countries where um, government essentially is failing to live up to its responsibilities, you find more often than not that the people step up by forming their own vigilante groups or just you know resorting to crass violence whenever they feel slighted similarly even in the industrialized world where you know physical violence is often um prevented and um you know policing still does its best to provide security as problematic as policing can be as racist and um, you know discriminatory as they can be um they still do their best right you know to provide some semblance of security so there isn't as much a need for mob justice of the physical kind however when it comes to ideological policing when it comes to um you know social conventions and mainstreaming um progressive norms or mainstreaming any norms to be honest um the police has no part to play in that right and this is where you know the the absence of institutions um ultimately gives way for individuals to take matters into their own hands 
several examples of this, right? When increasingly um, trans individuals, um, obviously, many progressive individuals would recognize that trans people should have every right to exist and whatnot, right? But then the, the, the laws of the land um, are not as evolved or haven't caught up to uh, the point where, you know, trans people would love to be, like the full enfranchisement of trans people. There are still a lot of microaggressions. There's still a lot of violence being meted out to trans people. Uh, transphobia is rife, right? You know, the denial of service, um, and all sorts of discrimination, like all of that is still occurring, even in the most liberal climes. So when people look at that situation, one response is to say, well, the institutions have failed us. Laws are not protecting us from these sorts of abuses, right? So we need to take matters into our own hands and police and, you know, censor individuals um, who perhaps hold views that antagonize us. Right, it's essentially an act of self-defense in that sense. Or in instances where, for example, there are statutes of limitations. Right, um, uh, many countries have statutes on limitations on things like rape, for example. Right, sometimes it ranges from as little as ten years. So, if you fail to report a, a charge of rape, uh, a claim of rape, you know, within a certain period, you essentially can't bring that claim, or at least it can't, um, you know. Uh, go to court it can't give you justice through that legal process right or let's even look at sexual harassment in nigeria for example there is no centrally codified um like national policy on sexual harassment private workspaces might have policies on sexual harassment but many people would find it funny to uh, believe that sexual harassment is not a crime in many countries around the world right like it's really not a crime so if someone perhaps assaults you, like sexually assaults you, you can sue them for that. If someone sexually harasses you, um, you might have like, uh, what do you call it, like civil recourse. So you might be able to sue that individual for sexual harassment. If there's discrimination on the basis of your sex, you might be able to sue that individual. But that is placing the burden on the victim, right, to seek justice by themselves rather than having institutional responses to it. Very recently in Nigeria, there was a bill there is a bill being considered um, um, to prevent sexual harassment in tertiary institutions because for the longest time people have said that that practice has been rife. Lecturers or university staff in general um, seeking sexual favors from their students and you know punishing them when maybe they fail to reciprocate their advances, right? So in the absence of institutional responses to these issues in many climes, in the absence of any laws, even in some instances, right? Or, you know, in terms of insufficient prosecution of um, uh, perpetrators of, you know, these acts of discrimination, there is a feeling that the resulting to self-help is the only way um, that is left to the victims, right? So we must understand cancel culture and how it has emanated, right? And this is why people are being dragged on Twitter when, you know, perhaps evidence to prove that maybe they are a rapist cannot be provided, cannot be substantiated. Of course, there are harms to jungle justice, uh, you know, sometimes aff affecting uh, innocence and the like. But you must understand the origin um, of this angst if we have any chance, if we will have any chance to, like, um, solve it, right? So at the end of the day, um, 
you know cancel culture in this sense right in the in the modern incarnation of it is born out of the disjunct right between um the the social progressive values that people think uh you know a society should have and um, the actual state of that society people think um, you know you shouldn't be allowed to say transphobic things just like you shouldn't be allowed to say racist things just like anti-semitic things should also not be allowed etc right however we live in a society where there might be no laws barring individuals from saying those things so the only way people who are offended by such statements can get any sort of justice is by the campaigning such individuals leveraging their clout and maybe clout of those individuals who are similarly minded to them right to provide like social sanction um to the offending parties okay but then you know like all things well-meaning um it can be abused and in this case it has been abused um and i'd like us to you know look at some of the unfortunate effects of this because um council culture in its current incarnation um is, is is very reactionary and is like lacking in nuance we often get you know all sorts of uh, unwanted consequences for example when you simply cancel individuals because of things they've said in the past right not because of things they are currently doing or maybe even things they are currently saying right let's say you dig up tweets of um you know joe biden from 15 years ago and then based on how problematic that tweet is you decide to provide a judgment on what his character is today um you often would not get you know the the best possible outcomes right because you know in such a response you ultimately deny people growth you deny people progression right um and this for me personally is like um you know the most problematic part of the, the, the modern incarnation of cancel culture like discounting the possibility of growth completely what if someone has changed right i mean it's it's justifiable when um you can dig up tweets from like a long time ago and then it is consistent with what the person is doing today and then you say aha this only proves that this is not a novel idea but you know you've you've had this mode of thinking all along right i mean that's that's perfectly justifiable to me that's fine but when you know you ultimately prevent individuals from growing because you can drag up their past and weaponize it against them um you you create a lot of you know unintended consequences for example increasingly um a lot of people are beginning to sympathize with the right like the global rights um spoken about here generally right people who talk about how woke politics is you know too much um or has gone too far and how it's unfair that people are losing their careers because of opinions very recently um a, an executive at i think boeing right lost his job because of an article he wrote more than 40 years ago about why women should not be allowed to join combatant units in the army at the time he was a naval officer he wasn't even at boeing at that time um, this was a very active debate being had there were people who were saying women shouldn't be allowed to join combatant units not the army you can join the army but not be allowed to join combatant units and others were against it but he was on the wrong side of that debate 
who knows if he has evolved. It's possible that he still holds um, those views, right? But then maybe it's not exactly probable because like this was before there was even GSM communications. This was um, over three decades ago that he had made those statements in that article. Yet in 2020, he was being forced to lose his job, you know, because of essentially opinions he had so long ago. If you think about it, virtually everyone, you know, holds stupid opinions and it is our hope as humans, as a civilization, that we outgrow those problematic opinions, that we learn and we improve. But, you know, when right-wingers say, um, you know, the left has gone too far, woke politics has gone too far, um, a lot of people, you know, buy into that. A lot of people see the point to that, especially when you find cancellation of people for things they said, you know, a generation ago. And that is really, really um, bad ultimately for woke politics, but for liberalism as a whole, right? So what's the way forward, at least? What, you know, thoughts do I think um, if, you know, adopted or applied can improve the, the weaponization of cancel culture? I, I think um, a lot of things, you know, are, are wrong with it, but fundamentally, um, council culture is is you know symbolic of minorities and historically disenfranchised people taking power into their hands, voting with their feet, voting with their thumbs, voting with their wallets. Essentially, um, for example, with the boycott, divest, and sanctions movement against Israel, right? Um, a lot of activists um, who seek the enfranchisement of you know Arabs and Palestinian rights. Um, in, in the Levant, right, in, in the state of Israel, um, are weaponizing economics, although so far unsuccessfully, um, in order to, you know, improve the lot of people, in order to change the state of things. The, the, the boycott movement um, against the apartheid regime in South Africa was very successful. It added a lot of pressure and was one of the things that ultimately led to, um, you know, the destruction of that um, regime. So personally, I believe um, you know placing uh, economic sanctions, um, boycotting you know firms that you think are problematic, the campaigning them um, with the modern tools we have, social media, etc. All of those things can be very very helpful. But like too much trivialization or uh, too many trivialities, um, you know, when brought into a movement, ultimately diminish its impact right and and that's the the first thing i would suggest uh is fixed like you, you don't just cancel people because of perhaps marginally problematic things that they have um engagement would be better in those instances because there's always the possibility with engagement of reformation let's assume someone still thinks something is problematic i was watching a video a few days back and um an individual was saying, oh, you know, a black person, right, in, in reaction to Nikanon's statement, the, the individual was saying, you know, he never knew saying things like um, the Jews own all the banks was anti-Semitic. And, you know, initially I was surprised because I was like, oh, like anybody, everyone should know that's an anti-Semitic trope. But then I thought about it again and said, oh, if someone grows up in a community where, you know, certain tropes are rife, anti-Semitic, racist, sexist, or whatever, those tropes are rife, right? Um, it's likely that they internalize all of that 
and they need a new acculturation for them to you know uh, dispense with those problematic thoughts what happens when you know woke individuals expect the entire world to understand what is problematic what language is 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 politically correct automatically is that you know you end up silencing these people and preventing them from recognizing the problematic you know ways that they have uh, long accepted as normal so this individual was coming to terms with some anti-semitic ideas that he had internalized and would not have learned perhaps if you know Nikanon hadn't had uh, the controversy around his statements so we need to separate individuals who are accidentally racist anti-semitic sexist or whatever right and people who are vehemently so right so is an individual simply saying this because in essence they are regurgitating whatever they have learned or is that individual perhaps you know a, a campaigner for those problematic ideas right you know that nuance is, is is very difficult to to do but i think that the the scale of the problem requires that nuance the scale of the problem um, is not one for generalization it's one for like you know fine action right the next thing um in terms of cancel culture i would maybe like to see uh changed is um the way it has been captured by the establishment um you often find a lot of people leading with um uh the problematic identitarian elements of things and the the conversation around systemic change just dies as a result right today we are talking about all the racist cops in the west um you know when you're talking about defunding the police and all that sloganeering right but then more systemic discussions are lost in that mix because you know people are just saying oh all cops are pigs or uh, not all cops are problematic it's just a few bad apples and then all the discussion is had around the language is had around you know um how much generalization have you made how correct is that generalization and concrete policies like how many dollars should go towards education rather than prisons should there be private prisons to begin with should military gear be available to police units should you know policemen or women you know police people um, be mandated to have body cams that are turned on at all times and asked to step down from any sort of action if per chance you know their body cams are destroyed right like what amount of accountability should we you know as a global society have on on imperialist forces or bodies when it comes to like this global pandemic right should, should the vaccine for uh COVID-19 be free like deep deep conversations can be had or slogans can be engaged but unfortunately with the current culture around you know identity politics and cancelling individuals who are not politically correct uh the media is more interested in centering the controversy around um you know who has flouted the pc rules and who hasn't and really that's unproductive woke individuals by focusing on that also and not helping anyone right rather than perhaps canceling jk rowling who is a liberal a feminist um who perhaps has slightly transphobic or maybe very transphobic who knows right transphobic views rather than that being your focus as a trans activist like how are you enfranchising you know trans people around the world 
um, because for many, you know, being trans isn't even an option, especially in the developing world, in the global south. Now, some would say that's not mutually exclusive. We can call out J.K. Rowling <laughs> and we can, you know, do that as well. But it's, it's, it's ridiculous to say that because the evidence belies that fact. Like, you know, while all the, you know, social capital is being expended on cancelling individuals rather than raising resources, rather than raising institutions that are going to help trans people around the world, we see, you know, increases in trans deaths, in, in violence against trans people, and no progress whatsoever in the removal of problematic, uh, you know, laws and practices in many parts of the world. All social capital is being wasted on discussions around J.K. Rowling and whether or not she should be cancelled, right? So, yes, it's not mutually exclusive, but unfortunately, social capital is limited and all of it is being wasted at the moment. So, um, in summary, council culture is, you know, to my mind, um, just the latest incarnation of jungle justice, self-help, mob action, people seemingly taking laws into their hands because institutions are unresponsive and defending oneself is, is, is needed, you know, when um, microaggressions or um, attempts at authorization of your person are being made, right? It's not perfect. It's indicative of, you know, the need for deep systemic changes. And that is the conversation that needs to be had, right? So we'll go to our platform on Discord now to get, uh, you know, comments and feedback from members of the community. Okay, so our first question on the Discord chat is from Admo, and he asks, um, can the council culture in a way damage liberalism and its acceptability with the people? Yeah, I actually believe it can, because excessive zealotry of any kind is just very distasteful, like people don't like it. So, you know, if the, the, the woke left are cancelling people for even the most trivial of things and it's getting to that, um, you would have a, a natural like revulsion or um, you know rebuttal to that kind of situation. Because look, there are people who are very deep into um, you know liberal think speak, like they are very leftist, they are radical feminist or very feminist or whatever, right? Um, and then there are people in the center, then there are people on the right, you know, people who um, listen to all sides and, you know, think for themselves about what position they will take on a, on a per-issue basis. Those centrists often are the majority, right, of um, any given population. So with increasing wokeness, you run the risk of alienating centrists and if alienated, then the, the, the consequence of that could be, you know, the loss of buying of uh, liberalism. So, yeah, I, I think it can get to that point. Yeah. But then um, we have another question from at Abims. Do you believe that there exist levels to which people are being cancelled? If yes, do you think cancel culture is justified at some point or do you totally go against it? Um, I do think council culture can be justified um for example if someone is alleged to have been a serial um sexual harasser maybe sometimes even going as far as raping people um like harvey weinstein right and there's no concrete evidence you know 
that can put him away behind bars. If the only thing society can do is to deny him of his power, to deny him of his platform, right? To get him um, fired from his, his position, which he has unfortunately weaponized um, to victimize people. If that's the only thing we can get, then, well, that's the only thing we can get. I think that's way better than saying, oh, the justice system um, cannot deal with this case. Maybe the statute of limitation on rape has passed. So let us allow him keep his power, his privilege, his position in society. I, I, I really don't think, um, you know, that is the best option. So in such cases, I am completely for, um, you know, council culture, right? There are very powerful people who have utilized their platforms for victimizing black people, women, and other minorities. And those minorities, because of their positionality, cannot exactly you know do anything to them except boycott them right so black people for example might boycott h&m because they had that you know shirt that had um a, a monkey depicted on it or you know it, it was really really distasteful right or many other brands that are in quotes accidentally racist you know you cannot prevent those billion dollar brands from existing but you can deny them you know your own personal capital and you can mobilize other black people and allies of black people and anti-racist individuals you can mobilize them to you know deny their support to those problematic brands you know i think in those examples um council culture is very justified i think there are instances where it's it's just you know befuddling right um let's say someone has clearly evolved and has changed their mind right about something so you can find their publications you can find their opinions having changed over time and yet you bring up a problematic thing they have said and you hold it over them and demand that they be cancelled i think that's utterly ridiculous and you know, should not be entertained i also think you know the platforming individuals when um they could be interrogated is also very problematic. I am completely against the attempt by you know liberal students across the U.S. and in many parts of the world, um, their attempts to prevent you know liberal speakers from you know coming to their universities, right? So you often find um, students preventing the likes of Ben Shapiro, preventing um, you know Jordan Peterson and many others, right, from coming to their their platforms and and even having debates. I think, you know, citadels of higher learning should be the bastions of, you know, tolerance and should, if there's any place where people can understand the nuance, where people can have, you know, different sides, you know, engage each other and then walk away from that richer with more information, it's, it's in the tertiary institutions, right? Maybe we shouldn't exactly allow platforms, give spaces to, you know, crazy people like Alex Jones and other mad conspiracy theorists. But why shouldn't Alex Jones, you know, be speaking in a university campus where presumably you have people who are smart enough and you have sufficient time because of the nature of the format for people to interrogate his ideas? You know, with Twitter or maybe YouTube and Facebook, he can simply post uh, something problematic, maybe a lie, right? For example, he was saying something about the the people who were, I think, the victims of Sandy Hook. But one of the shootings in the United States, right, that they were simply method actors. They were actors essentially. People, you know, families 
who had been bereaved, who had lost loved ones, this guy was calling them actors and essentially claiming that the shooting had never happened. I mean, he, he says very problematic things that I find disgusting, right? But should he be prevented from speaking? No, he has a fundamental right to speak, right? He doesn't have a fundamental right to a platform, right? Because he doesn't own Twitter. He can build his own platform, his own website and say whatever he wants there. But then when it comes to like a public space, his right to speak should, you know, be respected in that space. If a university allows liberal speak, it should definitely also allow conservatives and you know, people who do not have very liberal views speak as well. So, um, that's my thoughts on that question. Uh, the next question was, uh, in the current dynamics of the status quo, most of the time, um, people doing the counseling are people with lower social capital and political influence than the people they are counseling. For situations like this, is there a better alternative to council culture? Um, Unfortunately, no. I, and I think the two examples I gave earlier, black people, uh, women, etc., um, you know, shows this, right? It's unfortunate, really, but people who are politically and economically disenfranchised <laughs> often have no recourse other than counseling, right? But I think um, social capital is limited. They are allies to the struggle against racism. They are allies to the struggle against transphobia and all that. And if you are, you know, utilizing those allies for cancellation instead of for pushing um, systemic reform, then to my mind, you are wasting, you know, that resource, which is their allyship, right? I think there are better ways, um, you know, these marginalized communities can go about getting an improvement in their lot, but in instances where systemic reform is still a ways off, where systemic reform requires 50 plus 1 percent of the overall population, then if it's, if it's seemingly difficult to achieve, I have no qualms whatsoever with um, you know, using council culture to get some sort of you know, immediate justice. Um, especially in cases where there are like statute of limitations and other such prohibitions against um, you know, getting, you know, justice through the jurisprudence system, right? So, um, I thank all our listeners for joining in to our live um, discourse. The podcast, as usual, will be available on all major podcast platforms. We are on Anchor, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. Um, we aren't on Spotify, unfortunately, because, well, Spotify doesn't allow Nigerians to sign up an account. And on a principled level, um, I am against circumventing that using a VPN or whatever to create an account. It's, it's really racist what Spotify is doing. But yeah, we are very grateful to all the platforms that we can sign up on. Breaker, um, Radio Public, um, you know, iHeartRadio, etc. Right? And we are very thankful to all our listeners on all these platforms. And if you have been, Thanks for listening. See you again next week.